If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And it's been a while since we had a chat with this lovely lady, but she's back in the studio with me, Melanie Walker. We have Carrie Goodwin from oh. Life is a Garden. Thank and you. How, has, how have the months been treating you? <gasps> Beautifully. We have just been so amazing. Everything, I mean, everybody's gardens should be looking incredible at the moment. Although I think it just shows us how resilient plants are. You know, I felt we were almost going to be flooded out in November and December. And our poor plants were thinking, please, just, no, it's enough, enough already. Mm. Then we had about two weeks of a maybe peace. And then we went into that extreme heat where plants you, you've never seen get burnt, got burnt. Mm. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure about people, but our plants were definitely suffering because of that extreme heat. Yeah. And now we've had our good old temperate back down to normal temperatures, you know, a few thunderstorms here and there. Some people have actually had to start watering their gardens again, which I think was almost a foreign concept for, for some of us because we had so much rain. And yet our plants are still surviving. And actually, I think they're looking great. Yes. And so I always think that's so rewarding because there's nothing that hurts me more is when people come in and say, oh, I don't have green fingers. But I think plants show us that everyone has green fingers. It just has to be, you know, if you put them in the right place, right light, and a little bit of water. Don't coddle them. Yes. (laughs) Then they do perform for you. And they just bring us so much joy when everything else seems a little bit tumultuous. So basically, (laughs) it's all those... Really hectic circumstances, adverse circumstances, which actually make things blossom. Very, very true. And you know what? People (laughs) could take a very good life lesson from that because, I mean, you know, we sit here and we think, oh, my life is a look at the world, look at the country. You know what? Just take a cue from your plants. You know, we always say, you know, plants, if you take a plant which is six foot high, humans are only at about five foot six. (laughs) I never realized that. (laughs) It actually makes me think of the sunflowers. Yeah. We're reaching for the sky. Exactly. And look how beautiful they're looking. Gosh, we're sounding like David Gresham. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. (laughs) But I just think, you know, as you say, the the flowering plants are looking incredible. Mm. They actually, for some of us who had that terrible hailstorm, they're all recovering really nicely now. Yeah. You know, our vegetables, which were shredded to pieces, we either replanted or cut back and we're starting to eat the spinach that we grew in our gardens. I'm waiting for my tomatoes, so. They are taking a very long time. And yet the chilies this year came mm. out very early. So I think our gardens are very, um, Betwixt and between. Well, I'm seeing and, the same thing with dahlias, surprisingly, because yeah. my dahlias are only starting, some of them are only starting to bud now. Well, ours in the nursery finished, I would like to say, a month ago. Yeah, but I've and they come, should be coming through all the time. My yeah. my cactus, my seven foot tall cactus dahlia, Dahlia. not a cactus, <laughs> yeah. cactus dahlia, is still sprouting ferociously. But then I've got two short little ones. They're decoratives, yeah. and they're just like popping out the most beautiful flowers right now. Although I did plant them a bit late. So you know what? You're right. You give them a little bit of food, you give them mm. the right conditions. And this is, I think, where a lot of people go wrong is they often see on, on social media. Oh no, look, I didn't get a big, and I'm like, okay, send me pictures of what you've done. Mm. And some of them have broken their dahlias into little pieces and some of them have planted them in full shade or they've, oh, they've been watering them ad nauseum. So of course their <laughs> bulbs have now rotted. Yeah. So a lot of the time it's like, it's not what you get. It's what you do with it. 
Yes. And I mean, when you're talking about extra watering, I noticed that when I went away in December and left my house plants all by themselves and oh. quite lonely, when I came home, they were doing better because I they hadn't overwatered them. I'd given them, okay. a, and I didn't go away for long, a week or so. And so for a week, they didn't have any water, but the house wasn't too hot. And they were all thriving. And I thought, oh, my goodness, my overwatering tendency is very much killing my indoor plants. No, well, I, I had the opposite thing with our maiden hair ferns, which just went <laughs> oh dear. And, and scrunched up. And now they're living in, in my hospital room, which is the bathroom. So, that, And I spray them every time I put the shower on. I give yeah. them a good spray, keep the humidity up, and hopefully they'll come back again because that's my hospital, you see. Well, actually, now it's strange you mentioned that because that's what Life as a Garden was talking about for February, was how to greenscape your bathrooms. I thought it was one greenscaping was an interesting terminology for me because <laughs> like indoor plantscaping. Mm-hmm. And then they were talking about whether it's an indoor bathroom or you have wonderful outdoor bathrooms. And they even for an outdoor bathroom suggested planting the pom-pom tree because it doesn't have invasive root systems. Yeah. I thought that's such a brilliant suggestion. And then having your climbers like your trachleospermum or your gelsimium climbing up the edge of the bathroom for your privacy for your outdoor one. So I thought that was quite cool. And then the indoor one, they chose plants like like um, the croton, which mm-hmm. is so beautiful and colorful. And they said, you know, the brighter the leaves are, the more colorful the leaves, then the more light it needs. Because some of our bathrooms are maybe a little bit darker. Because, of course, those so, are the ones that come from like KwaZulu-Natal. And you yes. see them in the gardens there. I mean, yes. You can't grow them here because it's too dry most of the time. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, in Natal, they thrive. And in a bathroom, they would also do extremely well. Mm. Um, because they like that high moisture. And if you have nice warm showers, they would really enjoy that. And the other ones that they were talking about, the crotons really stood out for me. And then, we you know, we sometimes put the spathiphyllums in as mm. well for the peace lilies. But they did say how to turn your bathroom into like you say in your rescue center or your greenhouse and I never really thought of that before and I was like oh what a clever idea even if I was germinating new seeds like if you wanted to germinate seeds not sure where you're going to find space in the bathroom but you know because now we're going into our season changeovers yes and maybe some people are going to start thinking of planting their sweet pea seeds or you know so doing a little bit of seed tray planting and if you don't have a greenhouse or we don't have space because I think we're all trying to find space to look after our gardens. So whether it's in our homes or in our backyard or on our patio and trying to use that space optimally, but to be able to germinate a seed, you know, for me, I'm going to go and buy a chocolate cake and I'm going to use <laughs> that chocolate cake box to turn it into my little seeds tunnel. You put into that, hey? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm going to turn that into my tunnel. But now I'm thinking the right environment to do that would also actually be in my bathroom. Mm. So I really love Life as a Garden suggestion as turning my bathroom into a greenhouse. <laughs> and I mean, you don't even need a lot of stuff if you want to start mm. germinating stuff. I mean, uh, cool drink bottles, two liter cool drink bottles. Yeah. You just cut off. Um, where, where do you cut it? You know, if you're keeping it inside and you're germinating. So you're going to have to cut it off higher up and then yes. turn it upside, the yeah. lid upside down. So you would cut it almost three quarters of the way up mm. so that there's a lot of moisture that could collect. And yeah. then almost the lid, which you've turned upside down, is going to almost be like a funnel to yeah. catch that moisture and then almost rain it back down on the seeds again. So if you so, if you making eco bricks, I mean, this is the one thing that I, I, yeah. I will completely proselytize about all the time is take those cool drink bottles. Yes, I know that the recyclers like to collect them because they get money for them, but you can use them as cloches in the garden. 
<gasps> you can yes, use them for root, root level watering if you plant them upside down, cut off the top, um, yeah, the bottom, yeah. and then put it down with the where the lid would usually go into the ground, and mm. then you water into that so get the water gets straight down to the root level. There are so many things you can do with them. Yes. And I think plastic pollution is a terrible thing. Oof. And so I was actually so impressed with one of the charities we work with when we went to Dipslet. And then the school was building classrooms out of eco bricks. Yep. And I thought, oh, I'd almost forgotten about eco bricks. And as you say, I keep giving my two liter Coke bottles to the recyclers. Now I'm thinking, goodness gracious, I'm going to start filling them up with all the plastic that I get from my house. Because even if you try not to purchase in plastic, mm. it's, it's, it's all actually aglo- just impossible. Yes. I like to use that word. I have lots I like because I have, I have essentially basically all the time four children living in the house because they create <laughs> a lot of stuff. I have, I've got a couple of bags of stuff that you can fill your eco bricks with if you like. Oh, well, I'm, I'm going to need that because I was going to say I drink a lot of cool drinks. <laughs> okay. I have a lot of stuff that can go into them. You see, so it's all about sharing and caring. <laughs> yes. Even I'll share my rubbish with you. There we, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, we'll make the world a better place one eco brick at a time. There what a go. brilliant idea. I like right. that. So what have we, what else have we got on Life is a Garden this month? So the other thing that they were talking about was uh, mulching, where we speak about mulching we talk a about lot. all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I think it's just something that's really, really important. Mm. And, you know, we always talk, we normally talk about mulching at this time of the year because it's so hot. And then you're trying to cool your soil down and stop the weeds from growing because they're just driving you crazy. Mm. But then it's actually, as you were saying at the beginning, is how our temperatures are already starting to change. Our the light. sun has moved slightly off its usual kind of summertime median. Yeah. So I can always tell because I, I'm on the south side of the street with all of these huge jacarandas and a tiny property. So, of course, when it comes to winter, my house gets no sun. So at the moment, I stood outside the other day and the sun has just moved now past where it would usually be and it's starting to tuck itself behind those jacarandas. Yeah. So it always feels like I'm in this weird sub-oceanic gloom. I feel like I'm swimming underwater. With the, the kind of, I know it's sunny out there, but it seems gloomy in my front garden. Oh, Fortunately, no. the back is good and that's where all my veggies are. Okay, well, so I was just going to say it's also a little bit later. The sun is not rising as early as it used to. And so when we start thinking about that, we need to start thinking about our plants and putting maybe a protective blanket on. So mulching for winter to keep your roots warmer. And then obviously the most important thing is to reduce our water retention. I mean, to increase our water retention. Retention, Reduce our water (laughs) Water evaporation. Yes, from the soil. So yeah, yeah, mulching, there's never a wrong time to do it. And the more mulch you can put down. I always think I'm a bit stingy with my mulch because I like to, you're supposed to put at least five to 10 centimeters. Mm. And I think, oh, I'm sure one centimeter will be fine. One layer of bark chips would be fine. Well, you can always mulch with living stuff. I mean, especially yes. if you if you want to get into foodscaping, which means that you're growing food crops in amongst your decorative garden. And it's quite easy to do. Just think about that. growing like penny royal as a ground cover or creeping thyme. You know, the, the Corsican mint is also yes, a good yeah. one. All of those you plant in between or even strawberries when it's strawberry season. Yeah. And use that as a living mulch. So that's an excellent idea. So when you, you've got just planting so many ideas and they're all linking with life as a garden. I love it. <laughs> the other thing life as a garden created was creating, because it's World Wetland Day, yeah. where we just passed, a wetland garden, but more in a pot. And then they chose an edible wetland garden. And I keep thinking about that, not the edible part, because you know, I love plants so much, I'm not going to eat them. Why not? <laughs> just 
No. Okay. <laughs> Let me explain something to you. Okay. <laughs> chocolate. Where do you think chocolate comes from? It comes from a plant. I know, but it's not leafy and green. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they did have the Chinese chestnut, yes. which I can't pronounce its name. I want to say Ilkaris dilkaris, <laughs> which okay. is very, very wrong pronounced. <laughs> but it's a beautiful, edible, almost like a grass-looking like um, plant that mm -hmm. you could put in your if you were creating a water garden, an edible wetland in a pot. Mm. And then they chose one of the irises, Iris enciata, which is also an edible plant. And then when you mentioned the mint, that's what triggered my light bulb to shine. Because I love water. Was, yes, is that you could put um, the mint in as well. And then you would have an edible wetland garden that could be on your patio and actually look quite pretty, which is a completely alternative idea to your traditional food gardens. And I mean, mm. imagine going to pick your mint to put in your mojito or something like that from your wetland garden. I think people would think you were crazy or um, different, but well, what a wonderful idea. I, I always have like um, the one thing I think that everybody should have growing somewhere or the other is to have various herbs. Mm. And I mean, they serve a variety of purposes, as I said, as a ground cover, um, to go and put in your mojito, as Carrie <laughs> says, but I'm always running into the garden to go and get stuff to cook with, which makes it easier. And, you know, that's... A lot of people are sitting and thinking, okay, fine, I want a foodscaped garden. But then I'm also sitting and thinking, well, I actually feel like changing my entire garden into a, a grassland. It's a bit small, though, so that's not going to happen. And I'm not talking about like a grass park, you yeah. know, like lawn and stuff, but yeah. into a grassland itself. And you're talking about wetlands and, and wet, yes. World Wetland Day and what we should be doing to actually help save the environment. And I mean, the, the, okay, let's, there's not much we as normal human beings can do about wetlands on the whole, because unfortunately the government have given tracts of lands to various companies, to farm, to mine, to whatever, mm. and that's the biggest destroyer of wetlands in the world, and let alone just in South Africa. So if you know that there's a wetland in your area, you know, go and see what you can do. Go and pick up rubbish. You know, I mean yes. you know, put on I go walking with gloves on and, and a bag so I can yeah. pick up rubbish. My beach walks walking on the spray, but I mean when there's been lots of rain, obviously all the rubbish is coming down from people just tossing stuff into the streets in yeah. Hillbrow. I think it's scary what you could find in the rivers, actually. I, I won't get into the river. <laughs> no. That water is, no. Not, our water source is unfortunately so polluted. But let's try and keep the pristine areas as pristine as possible. Yeah. I mean, the, the wetlands are degenerating at a rate of knots. Our grasslands are the, under bigger threat. Everybody looks after the Feinbos areas. Sorry, I'm getting onto yeah. my high horse here. <laughs> That's okay. We hope they won't fall off. Um, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but they look, they look after the Feinbos areas because, you know, everybody talks about the Feinbos. But mm. our grassland area is much bigger, may not be as biodiverse. In fact, I think it's probably on a par. Yeah, I think may it not have, be, actually. It has almost as many varieties as they do in the Feinbos area. But the size of it yeah. is huge. And the encroachment is actually crazy. And, you know, this is one of the things that we have to start looking after big time. Yeah. And I think what's scary with the grasslands is actually the in the number of invasive weeds mm. that you find in them. Because they're so um, threatened that your actual grasses are battling to survive because they've been destroyed and they aren't able to go through their normal succession processes. Yep. And so you get in a lot of invasive weeds like those beautiful pink weeds that are everywhere now. Uh, the, and the, the, the verbena, the, the wild verbena. Verbena, the verbenas yeah. that's coming through. And I know on the farm we find new weeds 
every year mm. that come through. And, you know, you're trying to protect it as much as possible, but whether it be maybe overgrazing or all sorts of things, human habitation. And then, as you say, we're just encroaching on them and we're just taking them away. Um, and that's a huge thing because it's a loss of a lot of insects, a lot of yeah. biodiversity in terms of bird life, you know, and that's not even talking about our bigger herbivores and mammals yeah. that would actually need the space to be able to graze and be successful. Well, at least we so. still have people looking after the bush felt, but that's that's a completely different thing because we've got all yes. of those game farms. Yeah. So there's a lot of work being done there, but we also need to be cognizant of the fact that our, our grasslands are, be, are just being annihilated. Yeah. So anyway. Mainly for food. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe you should grow your food at home. Go into your local garden centers and see what veggies you can I start growing might at home. I need to start doing that soon. I went into the, the supermarket the other day and I was looking and going, why have you got so little on the shelves? And people literally shrug and they say, don't know if the you know truck drivers are on strike or if there's been a problem. So I think we start, we really do need to start becoming a little bit more self-sufficient and growing stuff what we can. Well, that one. Yes. Hello, let me get my teeth back in. Um, <laughs> Growing what we can, where we can. Even if you have like only two square meters, you can still grow so much food in two mm. square meters, even if it's on a balcony. Yeah, I think it is actually really important. I remember one of the newspaper headlines in January was saying how with the load shedding, how the irrigation, the farmers can't irrigate yeah. their crops properly. And I think it's little things like that. We worry in our urban environment that we don't have like load shedding effects, our lights and our computers and, you know, our lifestyle as a whole, which is not a really good thing at all. Mm. But actually when it starts affecting your farmlands where your food is coming from, that is quite scary. Like the poultry industry was Let's severely… Let's not get started on the chickens. Yeah. I, I will actually have <laughs> so, a complete hissy fit about that whole thing and people just don't get it. Like, why are there no eggs? Well, why is there no chicken? What's happening? Yes. Really? So I think go and look it up. Go yeah. and see what is happening because of load shedding. But let's, anyway, let's get so on let's to get back, let's, I was going to say, with our garden, I think it is very, very important. Go and, you know, and if you don't know how to grow veggies, I think you can go into any garden center and the staff will give you the right tips. All you need is a little bit of sun. Mm. Although I've had questions recently of people saying, oh, you know, how much sun do the herbs really need? If I just get in morning sun. It's easy. <laughs> I know, but they're just so desperate to grow something that I, they're like, could I maybe grow my mint in a little bit of shade? Or can my spinach get a little bit of like late afternoon sun, but not all morning sun? And your spinach is actually can take a little we bit less shade, yeah. that, but not as much. But generally, all your herbs and veggies need at least five hours. I like your yeah. six to eight. My six goodness, eight. we'll be sunburnt. <laughs> yeah, and, and preferably morning sun rather yeah. than afternoon sun because the afternoon sun, especially if it's, it's like kind of hotter, it, yeah, it'll just annihilate everything. Yeah. But then if, so, you, if you don't know how to do it, of course, I mean, you can always go on to um, not only life yeah. as a garden, but like one of my favorite herb and veggie uh, gardeners, of course, Linda Galvad, oh, sought after seedlings. She has yeah. got a wealth of information out there. She's got videos up on Instagram. And of course, she's got something on the home channel as we speak at the moment. It's yes. just where they've taken all of the stuff we did together on Gardening 101 and taken her bits and put them into these special episodes. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot, there's so many people out there who are willing to help. Yes. And I think it's much easier than you think. And luckily with veggies, they grow quite quickly. So mm. the reward is happening. You know, you don't have to wait. Well, except, yeah, for your most of your leafy greens and you know, the reward is probably within six weeks or so mm. that you can start maybe harvesting microgreens. But um, compared to like your pumpkins, which are 
whole seasonal. You know, yeah. you have to plant in September and, and you asparagus, get that, which is three years, <laughs> and yeah. you get your harvest in March. So, yeah. but then other things, almost sticking with the wetland theory, which um, Life is a Garden was speaking about, was carnivorous plants or predator plants. Oh no! <laughs> Although I could also do with them. <laughs> do you find it? You're sitting in your house. There's always one fly. <laughs> One fly. I have chased flies around my house with a swatter. Those tennis rackets. <laughs> oh, good Lord. No, I don't have one of those. I don't know what happened to it. It just disappeared. So I've got oh, a dishcloth okay. a lot of the time, just like snapping at it. But yeah. there's always one fly coming in. Do you think yeah. I could ever have caught those flies when I had carnivorous plants? I think that was the problem. Well, they, they didn't have enough to eat. No, no, no. They actually need very, very little to eat because they're such good hunters. They hunt when we don't they actually… They hunt. No, they do. They well, I mean, they're in a pot. How do they hunt? I know, but they hunt in terms of how how clever they are, how they attract the insects to come into their, whether it's the um, trumpeter plant, which has got the little nectar at the top, yes. which is enticing them. And then the um, nectar is slightly poisonous and it almost paralyzes the insect and then they fall into the poison underneath. And then the digestive juices of the plant <laughs> just break it all down. You I, look like you're in a little shop of horrors well, at the moment. I, I was just <laughs> reading these things and I'm thinking wow these plants are ingenious <laughs> the, the, the way you know I thought the, the way a lion hunted an impala was impressive but these carnivorous plants have nothing on a lion <laughs> the lion is <laughs> I mean like, has nothing on the carnivorous plants yeah. the, the way that they've their mechanisms to actually catch the plants and then digest them to be able to get all those nutrients so they're getting all the, pl- the mm-hmm. protein from the insects so actually they say they don't really need us to go and catch the flies for them they will catch them themselves but they actually also don't need a lot I mean one fly could last a carnivorous plant up to two weeks or so mm-hmm. so you know so it's not you don't really buy a carnivorous plant to catch your flies okay. <laughs> so tell me then Carrie why is it that we've managed to kill all of us <laughs> I think again it goes with too much tender loving care because they actually don't they bog plants mm. so if you're thinking they a lot of them need um to be watered from the bottom mm. so you're putting them in Which the saucer oh, okay yeah. and they don't like our traditional potting soil or anything like that because there's too much fertilizer in it and they're getting all the nutrients that they really need from insects. Yeah. I mean, they often say to us as humans, if, you know, we ate insects, it would be a much better source of protein than compared to maybe. Oh, mapani worms are pretty good. Yes. Mm, and so they're getting all their nutrients from that. So the soil that they need is actually very inert. You're going to use perlite and maybe a germination mix, which has no nutrients in it whatsoever. Mm. And then the water. So this is to me the only complicated part is we often use water from our taps which again contains chlorine mm. or it has some minerals in it. And so they don't like that. No, like, so whenever I had them, I would use, I've got a filter on my tap. So it was yeah. always filtered water. And then I'd put it into a bottle and put it outside into the sun, which will for 24 hours, over 24 hours with lots of sunlight, yeah. will dechlorinate the water. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. So that's definitely what you had to do. You either have to use rainwater, distilled water, Reverse or dechlorinated uh, water that you've something. got from your tap and put in the sun. Yes. yes. So I like your idea the best. And then actually what I think what maybe because I know I did that is I put mine in too much shade. So they actually do like like our herbs you were saying six mm. to eight hours. They like full sun. So they're not actually indoor plants. 
not particularly. But they like they sold as like an indoor plant. Well, if you had a really sunny bedroom, then they would do well. I remember mm. putting mine outside on a patio, which didn't get any sun at all. So no wonder it just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I think the Venus flytrap, which is what most people mm. start off with, as they, is probably actually one of the hardest ones to keep alive. Yes. Whereas the, when you go plants. for your pitcher plants, that's actually much more forgiving. And so maybe start with a pitcher plant. It maybe doesn't look as cool, but it actually survives much more easily. And then it becomes, you know, those people who like having scorpions and weird and wonderful things as a pet. This plant is a pet because they can last for years. And um, we just have to give them the right conditions. Yeah, they're not in my house. They're not going to last so. years. But I suppose it's a lot better than having a tiger as a pet. Which oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but I think it's important in terms of the principles. So, you know, often they get given to kids as a, oh, this is a really lovely birthday present mm. or to get you introduced to gardening. And if we follow those principles of the correct light, the correct soil yep. and the correct watering, your plant would survive. We just have to okay. find, you know, because that, that's where you find where they grow in the natural habitat, how well they survive there. And then you have to imitate those conditions in your home so or do some your garden. First, in other words. Yes. But Life as a Garden has wonderful research on it. Oh, great. And, so you don't as even as have to go far. Just go no, Life no, as a Garden and go carnivorous plants. Yeah. But don't you think the carnivorous plants are actually like the goldfish of the plant world? Because, you know, how many, how many goldfish have you flushed in your life? <laughs> Everybody thinks, no. as you said, give them to a kid. Somebody buys a goldfish and everything else because kids want goldfish. <laughs> yeah. So do the Maybe research. Quite, it might yeah. be quite a good idea. But also, I mean, I think for um, the best advice is Josie Carnivores. Mm -hmm. She is Fabulous with indoor plants. I, I mean, with carnivorous plants. She is the, the life is gone describes her as the queen of carnivorous plants, which is very true. She just has a knack. She grows the most beautiful carnivorous plants. And so also maybe speak to the experts. Yeah. The garden centers will help you, but she is actually an expert I don't and she's know about the gardening centers. I mean, if anybody had come to me when I was working in one and asked me for, <laughs> I need some help with my carnivorous plants, I'd have gone, hmm. Okay. Google is your friend. <laughs> Yeah, no, speak to Renee. She's really fantastic. There we go. Okay, so, so that's the person um, to get hold of. Yeah. And I think that's also following on from our wetland theme. Mm. So we've got the uh, wetlands, bog plants, you know, our edible water lit wetland. And so it's quite a cool way to go in February because for me, the challenge in the garden center at the moment is it's a change of season. Yeah. So the summer stuff is looking incredible. Our temperatures are slowly, slowly starting to change. So we we know we're going to head into autumn, but we're not there yet. So, you know, we haven't, thank goodness, we haven't had any of the customers saying, oh, my primulas are looking fabulous. <laughs> and, you know, those self-planted primulas. But I'm waiting for that, to go, for the first person to come in and say to me, where are your primulas? Because mine in my garden are looking yeah. great already. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> People have you know? to get a grip when it comes to gardening. There's certain things that grow at certain times of the year. There are certain things that will not grow at certain times of the year unless you have like a grow house. And we're not yes. talking about those pot plants either um just actually special tomatoes <laughs> i like that so it, it is a case if you want to have things out of season you're going to need to have a greenhouse with specific conditions and like you would do if you were doing yeah. large-scale 
farming. farming. Mm. So, yeah, the, you know, the moment that there are pink flowers on the kapok trees, everybody comes in, oh, I want one of those. <laughs> or if you know, the pride of India is looking particularly fantastic, oh, well, I need one of those. You know, so it's always that, that thing yes. when people see it. Like now, people are seeing all the dahlia, pictures of dahlias, as yes. I was talking about earlier, and they all want dahlias. And I'm like, okay, you can only get them in about October next of, of this year. Yeah. Because that's when they will be back in stock again because you can't plant now. Yes. So I think that's what gardening, when we were talking about the principles earlier, you know, the water, the light and mm. soil, is actually the patience. So the attitude you have towards your garden and the plants and enjoy what's in your garden at the moment and thriving. Like when you talk about Pride of India, our Pride of Indias are still flowering. Yep. And, you know, I always think of them as a October, November kind of telling me that, you know, Christmas Ooh, no, is on its way. January. So I always thought of them as then. And when I saw them still flowering now, I'm like, hang on a sec, what's going on? Mm. So, you know, I think it's also what we see in our garden. Go and look in your garden and see what's actually looking amazing. Like the plectranthus. Mine are about oh. to start. And that's, I was just about to say, I can't yeah. wait for my plectranthus to start flowering because I've got the aclonii. Oh, and it's that very gorgeous. pale, misty pink. So the yes. entire garden turns. I was sitting there and looking out the window yesterday and thinking, I can't wait until I see all the pinks coming through again because yes. I've, I go through phases. First of all, we start off with all the reds. And, well, actually, no, it starts off in spring with a rainbow of color. And then it goes into the whites. Then there's lots of whites with the Irish Deponica and little snowdrops and things. Or, sorry, star snowdrops, snowflakes in South Africa. Lucoyum. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So then the whites. Then there's all the colors. Then all the blues come through. So then the hydrangea and the agapanthus and the iris and all of those start coming through. So my my garden has been themed to go through different colors at different times of the year. Oh, that's amazing. And I love it. Because now I'm waiting for the pinks. (laughs) Yeah. I can be in the pink. So I think that's what gardening should be about is when you're planting something, plant it for when it's going to look its best and then give it a chance to rest and get the next thing to come along. So, you know, I think if you're thinking of planting now, maybe do a little bit of planning and research going into autumn. What's going to look good in autumn? How long is it going to last? Mm. You know, instead of rushing and coming into the garden centers and saying, oh, I'm looking for my sweet pea seeds already and they're only going to be in the shelves in two weeks time type of thing. Mm. Rather plan and get ready and then you'll see, especially with things like seeds and bulbs, you know, my favorite is now people we've spoke about, I think a while ago, but the cosmos is also starting to look amazing now. But again, you should have planted it in September. So you can't come into the garden center now and say, oh, I'd love some cosmos seed because we've just taken it all off the shelves. Yes, because (laughs) it's not the right time to plant it. It's not the right time to plant. But this is where life as a garden can help you. And, you know, chatting to Melanie and chatting to people who are, who are gardeners and mm. share, you know, the, the best thing about gardeners, it's another principle, I'm learning so much, is gardeners love to share. We do. They just, you know, you, they we, want you, you to seeds, ask questions. We'll give you seeds. If you need cuttings, <laughs> come, please have a cutting. We are like the friendliest people yeah. in the world. And of course, as so, Carrie was saying, life as a garden has the ask an expert. Yes, exactly. Which is, which is me, I'm afraid. I don't, I don't call, I don't call myself the expert. Okay. And most of the time I can't, well, not most of the time. Some of the time I get hold of Carrie and say, okay, you're the expert on this. Let me know because, you know, yeah. you've done horticulture like mm. phenomenally. Whereas I'm kind mm. of a, what is it? A, a jack of all trades. There we go. I think it's experience. Experience. It is about it, that. And it's knowing it's, what the basics and a lot of people getting into it don't know the basics. So that's why we're here. Yeah. And so I think, but once you start the planning and the, the testing and the experimenting, that's what makes gardening so fun. And the, they, life as a garden can give you ideas because they're trying to 
make you become botanical bosses. <laughs> so I love that term, you know, that you do become an expert, but everybody mm. can become an expert in different areas of gardening. But it, it's and one so, of those things that there's no gardening failures. They're all experiments. No. Yes, absolutely. And that's how you learn. I was going to say, your failures become compost, which is the most valuable thing you could have in your garden. <laughs> <I like So. laughs> <that one. laughs> yeah, there's definitely no failures. And, you know, I think um, we also just have to be conscious that the pests always hinder our garden in a little bit of a way. But we had a supplier this week, and it was my favorite. She says, oh, I can sell you Artemisia Afro, you know, which was mm. the wonderful herb cure for, Wormwood, uh, cure yeah. for, <laughs> cure for um, COVID. And she says, but, oh, look what's coming with it. You get some aphids. And I'm like, we, we don't really want the aphids with our Artemisia. She says, but you know what I found on top of the aphids when I was looking in the nursery was some um, ladybird larvae. So you could get the aphids and the ladybird larvae <laughs> and the plant all in one. It's like a buying a McDonald's meal. You know, <laughs> you get the Coke, the chips and the hamburger. I love it. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, uh, maybe not. I don't know if our customers would understand that. But that whole ecological process is actually what we're looking for in it's our fantastic. gardens. And so we want to be excited about the insects, you know, because hopefully there are lots of beneficial ones that are actually going to be praised to the um, predators, to yeah. the um, non-so-beneficial ones. Uh, I, so. just, I see aphids and I just go around squishing them and then I have to <laughs> wash my hands because they got onto my roses while I was away for like five days and I was just like, there was honeydew everywhere. So it was being sprayed <gasps> with water and like squishing and like, you know, no, 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 not having any of those. So the rain yeah. is also great because it gets rid of a lot of the stuff as well. Absolutely. Although cool. I did find yeah. some lily borers in my garden the other day. At this Ooh, time, even the, though the amaryllis have stopped flowering on the whole, they they get down there. They're now looking for food. So mm, and you must just watch in your bulbs. Yeah. They, oh, they really, yeah, so they, they demolish they go them in your crinums, your aggies, your clivias, mm. your amaryllis, anything that's got that kind of bulb that they can get down into. Yeah. So keep an eye out for and those. It goes all mushy and, and gross. And squish them. But <laughs> it's one of those things that you won't notice that they're there until you it's see a huge everything falling. And of yeah. course, at the moment, a lot of the bulbs that have been flowering are now going to go into their dormant phase and they still mm. need their foliage to be able to create enough food to bulk them up. So this is the best time. You need to be feeding your bulbs right now. Excellent idea. You've got to feed your bulbs now so yeah. they have enough food to synthesize photosynthesize and create the new blossoms for the next season. So get that going. Mm. It's actually a really nice time to fertilize as well. Yeah. You know, just to start strengthening your garden for the cooler months that are coming up. But while the plants are actually still growing, so they haven't gone into that dormancy yeah. yet. So you're kind of saying, here, let me help you out. You know how we would boost our vitamin C also yeah. going into autumn. Into winter, yeah. So you want that same sort of thing for your plants, Vigorosa. which is a really good idea. Vigorosa for your roses because <gasps> they're still blooming. Well, the roses have been incredible yeah, this year. Third flush coming hey, up, yeah. I just can't believe it. And they're just the colors. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, I don't have enough space in my garden for beautiful roses, but I love work, walking around the roses in the nursery. And they always, there's the bees on them. Yep. And they just, they just absolutely, they're just like they're looking at you and saying, check me out. Look how nicely I'm flowering, whether I'm a standard or a bush mm. or a climber. Oh, no, I, I have new appreciation for roses. I mean, I normally love them, but this year they just have kept on giving. And the one you know, that I've seen so, that have been doing so well 
and traveling down to, to KZN through mm-hmm. um, Harry Smith, and I always stop at one place, and the Deloitte and Touche Rose. <sighs> it's just everywhere I go, it is has been looking phenomenal the whole way through the season. And of course, yeah. that's a nice, short, short little thing. bush rose with yes. roses of every single color that you could possibly imagine <laughs> on one bush. I mean, it's what's not tree. to love? You know, it goes yeah. with every single color scheme you could possibly imagine. Yeah. So, no, they've really had a quite an outstanding year, actually. And I think a lot of people, you know, when you think of new gardeners mm. and what they might be planting, we often start with the indoor plants. And then I think most gardeners always ha- start with a rose. And it's actually quite a nice plant to start with because it is one of the most forgiving. Yeah. It doesn't, it needs water, but it doesn't need water constantly. You know, I think, I always think of the, when people get a lemon tree as a gift. That's oh. a hard, hard plant to give That's to somebody. That's the question I get most about any plant. Yes, thing. it's yeah. like a home, uh, it's one of the favorite housewarming gifts. Let me give you a lemon tree. And it's one of the hardest plants to look no. after. No. You know, it's such a nice idea, but maybe give roses. Give a rose. There, there's a beautiful rose called Happy Home. You yeah. know, give that one. <laughs> or just Joey. Or, or just, oh, because, just Joey is always a fantastic yeah. one. Yeah. Because there's just so many beautiful roses that mean so much. And, mm. you know, with Valentine's Day this month as well, you know, maybe don't give um, – Roses, cut flowers. Give a rose bush. Give an actual rose bush that just keeps on giving and shows how much your endless love for your partner is. <laughs> well, for those of you who have partners, anyway. All right, well, gosh, or your friends. Yes, give it to your friends. <laughs> Lovely yellow mean... rose for a friendship. Yes, yellow being the color of friendship, yes. of course. Tie yellow ribbon around the yellow rose bush. Yes, that could be a <laughs> well, I can't believe that we've been chatting for so long. It's been oh, so nice. Oh, my na- goodness. Okay. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I mean, just it like catching wonderful. up with you and catching mm. up with what's going. So, of course, if anybody does want to get some more information, you can always get along to lifeisagarden.co.za. And you can ask questions there. You can go and just Google um, oh, or so put, in the search, put in search yeah. stuff and say, search free state roses and it'll yeah. come up with like all the articles about that Kerry mm. we'll catch you again in another month and we can talk yes, about what we're going to be lovely. doing going into autumn <gasps> yay I'm excited my favorite well, I think every season's my favorite but autumn is one of my favorite favorite seasons <laughs> excellent okay well okay. we will catch up with you again real soon thank and you for having me it's always an absolute pleasure for the rest of you get out into your garden go and see what needs to be done and above all stay grounded bye bye You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook. Facebook.